Hello, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of Secret Stories from the Underground. Today on the podcast, Dean and I sit down for an interview with former playmate Deborah Driggs. Such an awesome guest. We had such a great time talking with her about Playboy and, you know, just other things, life in general. Um, real quick, we would like to say a big thank you to everybody who came out to Lincoln, Nebraska last weekend to see Dean and I perform along with so many other talented bands and acts. Um, we appreciate it with our, um, performances and everybody coming together. I think we raised over $1,200 for uh, KZUM. So big thank you. To everybody that came out and supported, and big thank you to our buddy John, the Metal Maniac, for putting the thing together. He put a lot of hard work into it, and it paid off. So thank you, John. And that's it. Here is our interview with former Playmate Centerfold, Deborah Driggs. Deborah. Hi, I'm here. How are you? I'm great. I'm here with my co-host, Dean. Hi, Deborah. Hi, Danny and Dean. How are you guys? We're doing great. How was your day? Amazing. Awesome. Awesome. Where are you, where are you uh, at right now? You're in California, correct? I'm in California. I am here in Beverly Hills. Awesome. You can't beat that, huh? <laughs> no, the weather. You just can't beat the weather. Not yeah, a fan of Go ahead. Are you there? Yeah, I'm here. Okay. Awesome. Sorry, we're having a connection issue. Okay. Uh, yeah, I was saying uh, Beverly Hills is just an awesome place in general. So. Oh, yeah. So much to do. So fun. What's the temp there today? I knew you were going to ask me that. <laughs> I think it's in the 60s. Well, it's nowhere near that. So we ask because we have to live vicariously through our guests right now. So it's, it's 61 here. It's about six here. So yeah. well, where are you? We are in the beautiful Omaha, Nebraska. Oh freezing, my God. Freezing to death. Yeah. So uh, what we do here on the show is basically uh, talk about you. You, you're our guest. We want to talk about your work, what you have uh, going on, and uh, as much as you're willing to share with us. So that's pretty much what we do here on the show. Great. Uh, so let's start off. What, do you, what are you currently working on? Anything fun? Uh, well, I write a weekly blog, which comes out every Monday. And then I have a book being published this year. And I have a movie coming out this year. So, yeah. Awesome. Uh, how, what's a book about? Your career or is it no, a story? No. Nope. It's a historical fiction. And it's the first book that I'm publishing. Very cool. Are, are you doing that all on your own or do you got a publisher? I'm the publisher. Very so cool. what uh, What time in history? World War II. Oh, awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Super cool. Now that that era does fascinate you. Yep. So now we go on in four minutes. What's that? 
Are we going live in four minutes or are you recording this? Oh, we're, we're recording. Yeah. Okay. Yep. Yep. We're, we're, we're live. So. Well, we're on. We're yeah. <laughs> we're not, uh, yeah, we're not live. We're, yeah, we're, uh, we're recording. That's what I meant. Okay. So are we, yeah, I mean, so, are, we uh, are, are we recording now? Or are you going to do an intro? And what? Oh, we uh, we uh, do a pre-recorded intro. I'm sorry, I should have told you that. So technically, you've already been introduced. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Okay, so we've already started. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Okay. All right. This is it. We're in the game right now. <laughs> okay, game on, game on, people. <laughs> uh, right. So yeah, what what inspired you to write the book? Did you have family in World War II or? No. So I did not write the book. I am published. It is a historical fiction called Son of a Basque. And I'm very close with the person who wrote the book. And so when I read it, it was so inspiring that I thought, you know what? I'm going to make this into a book. I didn't know how. I didn't know what that looked like, but I just knew that this was a book that needed to be published. And so last year, I decided to form my own publishing company so that I could indeed self-publish it and do it myself. So that was the inspiration behind it. It's a very interesting story. I don't wanna to give too much away because I want people to read it, but it's, it's definitely, I read the book three times and I thought, you know, not only is this such a great book, but I think it could also be a screenplay. So it's a, it's a really fun, fascinating project. So how do you just start up a publishing company? That's Exactly. So <laughs> um, I met with everybody. I met with everybody that I know that was either a ghostwriter or a writer or had self-published or, you know, and every, everybody has a different opinion of how you should do, how you should do it, how you should self-publish. And I thought, well, you know, I just kept the notes of everybody's opinion. And then I finally got introduced to somebody who helped me form a company. So my company is called Crystal Woods Publishing. And that took a while, you know, that took time to, you know, set up the entity, set up the business, set up the ISBN numbers, set up, you know, well, if I'm gonna do this, then does that mean I could publish more than one book? Which the answer was yes. So I thought, well then, this is kind of cool, you know, then why don't I just keep going and do it this way? It's timely. It costs me more money because now I'm putting all the, I'm taking all the risk. So, but it also, what's cool about it is that I can basically publish whatever I want. And so this book was a book that my grandfather wrote. He uh, died in 1998 and left the book and and it wasn't until my grandmother died that i said to her before she died 
you know, I never read that book and I'm really interested. She said, it's yours. You do with it what you will. They tried several times. They sent it out to literary agents. They sent it out to publishers and they just kept getting no, no, no. And that was a different world because, you know, there wasn't the idea of self-publishing back then. So I had the book for many years, several years. It sat in my closet in a box and I finally took it out. And I thought, wait a second, this is a really good book. And so, you know, obviously I sent it to an editor and got other people's opinions and other people's opinions were just as mine, that it was interesting. There was a story. There was a lot of great information about the Basque country because he's from the Basque country in Spain. And so it became this, this thing that I had to do. I had to get this book published. So um, nothing happens overnight. And I have been working on this since November of 2020. Wow, very, very cool. Um, so did you, you said that you never read the book you know, when you were younger, your grandfather talking about this at all? Of course. Um, oh, sorry. What were you going to say? Oh, now, no, that, now that you yeah. started your own, <clears throat> sorry, uh, now that you founded your own publishing company, do you have, uh, do you have other writers or other stories in mind that you're looking at right now? Yeah. So I have an idea now to do a coffee table book. I have an idea to do my book, my memoir. I told my mom that she should write a book and, you know, we could have a, you know, and then anybody that says to me, oh, I've always wanted to write a book. I go, well, guess what? Write one. That's <laughs> oh, very cool. Now, uh, where did, where did you come up with the name of the publishing company that Crystal Blitz? I just, you know, interesting enough, it was, it just came to me. It wasn't, you know, I just, I'm really, I like things that are very um, soothing and the name just felt very soothing to me. And I didn't want it to sound like a, a business. I wanted it to sound like something that you'd want to go and do a retreat at, you know? That you'd, that you'd be in the mountains. I, I, I pictured mountains and waterfalls and, you know, the way I pictured it is kind of where the name come, came from. I, I get that, okay. Yeah, it is a very soothing name. It does seem like a play, like uh, a vacation place that you'd go to. And... I, I just think of I, trees with just ice and snow covered. There well, it's just because all the snow yeah, we have on the ground. I didn't see that. But. <laughs> Get the snow out of your brain, Dean. <laughs> yeah. So way before you, you started all of this, how did you get your start into the business? Well, I had been in, in and around the business from a young age. My mom entered me in baby pageants. So I started right out of the gate. And then I was a figure skater and after I, I left the career of figure skating at 14, I went into dance and cheerleading. And, and then I ended up in 1982 
on a professional cheerleading squad in LA called the LA Express. And, and through that, I think it was very validated to me that I like to perform in front of audiences and big audiences. And there was nothing about that that was intimidating to me. I, I loved it. I loved being at the Coliseum cheering. And also I loved doing the morning shows and the mall appearances and signing autographs. I loved the whole thing that came with it. And so I knew that I was gonna do something. I didn't know what. And I ended up going to Japan and dancing with a couple of the girls. And uh, this company in Osaka would bring in professional dancers and we danced like several shows a night. So I became like this vampire human being, like I slept all day and worked all night. And, and it was a really fun adventure. But while I was on that adventure, I got approached in Japan while I was dancing, I had a company come up to me and said, we really want to shoot you in this commercial we're doing. You know, this is how much it's going to pay. And I didn't have an agent. And I thought, I don't know if these people are legit. You know, I'm in Japan. This could be anything. And it turned out it was very legit. And I worked on the set for two days and I did my first commercial and they paid me very well. And I had a blast and I came back to the States with this whole idea that I was going to be an actress and do commercials and model and all of this. And I remember my family saying stuff, you know, all the things they say, you know, like, well, you're not really tall enough to be a model. And you know how many people are trying to do commercials at one in a thousand, one in a million. And, you know, they gave me all their stats. And then I just, I remember I, I instinctively knew this at a very young age that, you know, you just don't take advice from people who cannot see it for themselves. And so I enrolled myself in this commercial workshop. And at the end of the six weeks, they had agents come in from all over LA and three of them wanted to sign me on the spot. And that was a good indication that I was on the right track. I signed with Pacific Artists. I signed with a modeling agency. And, you know, I, I, I didn't do high fashion modeling, but I did a lot of catalog and I did a lot of swimsuit. I did a lot of showroom modeling where I would show up in downtown LA at the, in the fashion garment industry and industrial area and you know you spend a day they pay you for the day to just try on clothes for the buyers and that was a really good gig and then in about 1986 there was a show this is before qvc this is before home shopping network there was a show called the fashion channel and i got hired to be a model on the show and that was a steady gig i did that every day I worked on that show and they paid me daily and that was a really good gig. And that gave me the opportunity to enroll in acting school. And, you know, I just, you know, it's like everything I did was a stepping stone to the next thing. And Playboy didn't really come around until 1989. So I had already been working. I had already been doing commercials. I had already been modeling and I, I kind of, my, I was, dug in. I was living in LA at this point with two roommates. And, you know, I had already met with a lot of casting people and 
So when my agent called me and told me about this audition for Playboy, you know, for me, it wasn't on my radar at all. And so I, I remember saying, is there nudity involved? Because I don't know that I want to do that. She said, no, it's for the cover. And they're very interested in media. And I met with them. And next thing I knew, I was shooting the centerfold and the rest is history. It, it was it happened literally overnight. And it was not something that I aspired to do or be or, you know, it was really just it aligned with where I was. And I shot in 1989 and my issue came out March 1990, which today it is now a collector's item because Donald Trump is on the cover of my issue. And then I was on the cover of April 1990. And, you know, good and bad to doing Playboy. And I focused on the good and stuck with it wrote it out, rode that wave. And most people don't even know that I did Playboy unless I bring it up. Most people don't associate me with that. They associate me with other things. And so it's pretty, it was a pretty interesting time in my life, you know? And um, yeah, that's it. What is, uh, what was your opinion on Hugh Hefner? Was he a good guy? I thought he was an amazing guy. I thought he was wickedly smart and quietly funny. He had a very quiet sense of humor, if that makes sense. He he could see the joke in the room at all times. You know, he could see the the funny in something. And he would he would make these very these jokes that you either got it or you didn't. And I and it, being around him made me realize that there's people that get it and there's people that just don't get it and and he knew that. He knew that. And he he didn't use it against people. He just was quietly funny about really things that were happening in life and super smart. And, you know, when I did Playboy, it was the number one magazine in the world. And nothing got in that magazine without his approval. Nothing. He was hands on. He was super involved. And he he led the lifestyle that he created. So was the rest of the staff very professional as well? Yeah. Very. That's awesome. That's good. Yeah, that's I know, good. I, mean, I know there's going to be, you know, I, I just saw somebody t- was telling me recently that there's a documentary that's coming out. Doing a tell all or I don't know. And I just I, and then, you know, of course, I didn't know anything. But then I see the preview because now I'm aware of it. So I see a preview for this, um, this tell all, whatever. And I just thought to myself, I'm not buying it because, you know, I spent a lot of time in that world and never once was he inappropriate or, you know, he, he, if anything, he was the most giving human and really wanted the girls to succeed and gave them every opportunity and so yeah i'm not buying any tell all <laughs> from these girls if that's- half of them weren't even a playmate they were just girls that lived at the mansion and so yeah i saw this preview and i thought that's that's kind of sad and most that's kind of why that's kind of why I asked you, you know, what your opinion was on him. Cause I seen the same thing and I didn't know the guy and you did. And I, I didn't really buy it. Um, 
he never really came across in anything that I ever seen him in to be a, a vicious guy or anything like that. So I, I think it's shitty too when people do that after somebody passes away, you know? Yeah. Yeah. So I can just tell you that most of the girls that I know that I have stayed in contact with that, that we, we have a bond, you know, and it's, I've never heard anyone speak an ill word of Hef ever. I just haven't. So yeah, it's interesting to me that they're going to do some tell all because they live there. It's like, yeah, you live there because you had no place to go, you know? <laughs> oh, Very true. Now you're going to throw that under the bus. Oh boy. You know, it's like, I just can't, I can't, I can't align myself with anything like that. Yeah. And it's really easy. Like I said, to do when somebody's not here any longer to defend themselves you know that's a shame of it yeah um so what was your favorite sitcom that you were a part of um i really liked working on a show called nightstand and that was that was kind of a fun quirky show i liked i liked meeting julie brown i i did a pilot with julie brown downtown not downtown julie brown the other julie brown the redhead the comedian um I, I enjoyed doing things that involved improvising. I, I was the first VJ for Playboy's Hot Rocks, which allowed me to kind of do my thing and be funny and be outgoing and be outrageous. So, you know, and, you know, and that is just one of those things that you got to kind of keep that, that, that thing working you got to keep it moving and working and you know because when the instrument isn't being used it just you know what I mean it 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 comes back but not as quickly so I know just a couple jobs that I've done in the last few years you know it's like wow you know you really do have to keep this instrument going and so I dust myself up and I get back up and I I go for it I I love being creative I love when there's a challenge and I get to be creative. Yeah, it keeps you motivated. I, I, I think personally, you know, it, it really does. Keeps you going. Absolutely. Um, so, yeah, you got a new project on the IMDb, this Neon Bleed. Yes, I shot that last year. So, yeah, it'll come out this year. Um, and it is great it was a great film i worked a few days on it and it's and the direction is the same person john capone wrote the movie and he directed it and asked me if i would play the mom and i immediately said yes i'm honored and grateful that anybody would still want me to to act in their project so that's a gift, you know, at my age, that's a gift because as you know, the industry, as you get older, it's a little tougher. So yeah, I was jumped on the project and I had just such an amazing, and, and now the movie has been selected for the Idlewild Film Festival, which is in Palm Springs. That's really cool. So in March, yeah, so in March, we're all going to go to the film festival. It's a week long in Palm Springs. 
and our movie has been selected. Very cool. Yeah, that's awesome. You. So, Thank how you. was uh, how was filming that during you know in the middle of a pandemic for you? Uh, interesting. You know, I had to test every day. <laughs> a negative test that I was, if I was going near the set, you know, they, you have to test and wear a mask and, you know, it's, it's nothing, you know, listen, I don't care what industry you're in, but everyone is, you know, the people that I feel the most compassion for are people that are in the service business that have to wear that mask full time. And it's just, it's so hard for me to watch because it's just, you know, how do you work like that? You know, I mean, I get claustrophobic after 30 minutes in that thing. They they have to wear for eight hours. So I have no complaints. I'm fortunate that I don't work in a industry where I'm required to wear one. Yeah. Hopefully uh, one day here sometime soon, we've only been saying it for too long now, but (laughs) Maybe we won't have to wear them one day. That'd be great. Yeah, it would be amazing. Hopefully sooner than later. Yeah, Uh, exactly. So when you're in Playboy and everything, you probably get invited to some pretty cool parties. Do you got any uh, fun stories there? Well, you know, I have. I've been invited to a lot of different things, a lot of different dinner parties, parties, clubs, you know, the early 90s, there were a lot of really fun clubs in LA, Bar One, Roxbury, Alzado's, um, you know, and it was a who's who, you know, and I was young, you know, I lived with Pam Anderson, because she and I were both playmates the same year, we met in Chicago, and she moved to LA from Canada. So we were she and I kind of, you know, hit the town quite a bit. And so, yeah, it was wherever we went, there was action, you know, and, and I think the, the, the weirdest and inter- most interesting story I have is that I met Charlie Sheen in the 1990 and he invited me to a house, to his uh, party at his condo. I, I believe he was in a condo in Malibu. And he had this party and he invited me and I took my friend and it was just a crazy. He was just, he was wild and nuts. And I just remember telling my friend, we got to go. Cause it was just, it was, it was, it was like, it was like one of those parties where I was like, you want to like him, but you can't cause he's just so crazy. (laughs) And yeah, so we got out of there, but that was a crazy time. And then, you know, I mean, I obviously I went to a lot of parties at the mansion and that those were always the same parties, the New Year's Eve party, the summer Eve party, the Halloween party. And that was always a who's who every celebrity, you know, was there. I met Leonardo DiCaprio. I've met Ben Affleck. I met George Clooney. I met a lot of athletes, um, a lot of rock stars. So, you know, it was a who's who that would show. We never knew who was going to be there. So I, I've got to ask you, I'm curious now, the uh, stat sheet and that, that they have inside of Playboy that it, 
they have on the centerfolds, you know, your turn on, turn off, uh, all that kind of stuff there, favorite color, whatever. Do they just make that? Is that actually your, your answers? Oh, no, no, that's our answers. Are they? Okay. Yeah, I, I always wondered if somebody just wrote that stuff up or if you, you actually. You, you've been quiet for too long. Are you over there reading Playboy right now? <laughs> <laughs> hey, you know, that's good stuff. Jeez, man. <laughs> uh, yeah, no, it, it had to be a, an amazing time for sure. Now, when you and Pam Anderson are living together, obviously, you know, you're both beautiful women. Uh, is there a lot of creepers trying to figure out where you guys live and stuff like that? I have to tell you, we didn't have that. We didn't have that back then. I'd be, you know, I think about that a lot today because of social media. You know, we didn't have social media. We didn't have the accessibility that people have today. So what I didn't really, we didn't, that wasn't a concern back then. You know, our life was private for the most part. Today, I worry about that for these girls because they're young and they just put everything on social media. And I think the security level just goes way down when your whole life is on out there for everyone to see our life wasn't out there for everyone to see nobody knew where we were if that yeah that's sense. a fair point yeah no that's but, a very fair point um that's kind of you know people i've heard say you know with the, like the me too movement and stuff like that that you can thank social media to that but at the same time to what you're saying you have lost your life somewhat if you're a celebrity because people are so much more containable nowadays than what they used to be back in the day you were lucky if you could write a letter and get it to somebody you know now you can instagram them facebook them there's a billion ways reaching out yeah. to whoever and stalking them it's crazy and people post things about where they are all the time and so it's not really rocket science if you want to find somebody i mean people post where they are and it's not there's no privacy and then they wonder why they have all these weird creepers you know stalking them or finding them it's you can't post where you are you just can't yeah it's it's funny uh back when i was a kid you know your parents told me not to talk to strangers and now we just had five thousand of them to facebook so <laughs> Yeah, well, it, it yeah. is. That's, that's exactly right. And that's the world, the crazy world that we are living in. And I, I say this all the time, you know, when I did Playboy and when I did a lot of the stuff I did, there was no internet there. You couldn't Google me. You couldn't see what I was doing unless you watched the show I was on or you watched what I, I could have. There was no platform to promote what I was doing. And so now, I mean, there are thousands of ways to promote. You can Google anybody. You can actually, it's scary today, but you could look up anybody and find out where, where they are. And, yeah, it, yeah. you know, it's not where you don't live in a secure environment. And, you know, so I, I would say that I'm more worried today than I was back in the 1990. Tell me, you know, and thank gosh I have kids that they're very cognizant of it and they don't they don't post where they are either. It's like we just don't do it. 
you know? Yeah. It's a cool thing about, you know, being a celebrity, in my opinion, in the 90s would have been being able to go out on the town friends, not being caught on camera, taping this and that. And nowadays, what do you do? You go out to a restaurant without being, well, everybody, you know, it just, it, it has eliminated everybody's privacy. Yeah, totally. Totally. Have you ever worried about somebody getting you on camera? Like, have you ever had a moment in public where you worried about that? Were I worried about somebody seeing my photos or my, what do you mean? No, I like, you know, have you ever had a moment where you're just out in public and, you know, somebody tried to videotape you or something like that? Have you oh, ever I've experienced that, that? Yeah, of course. I've had that many times, you know, you, there are certain streets in Beverly Hills where the photographers will just start taking photos and not so much anymore now, uh, but you know, when I was still recognizable, you know, people would just start shooting photos. How do you deal with that? I don't know. I, you know, to be honest with you, I, <laughs> it doesn't, it doesn't happen often enough for me to have a feeling either way about it. I, I, you know, if it was happening all the time and I had that kind of recognition where it was just kind of in my face all the time, but it's not. Yeah. So. Either there, no, nobody's taking my picture. So. <laughs> we got that. You're like, you know, if it happens, I'm almost like, oh, well, that's kind of cool. Somebody remembers me. You know, I don't take it personally. You know, it's like whatever. They're probably thinking I'm somebody else. <laughs> <laughs> out, out in LA, you know, a, a lot of people look alike. It is, it is a thing. Oh, that's uh, there was a thing. Uh, Tom Morello, the guitar player for Rage Against the Machine, and uh, he uh, got they, one of those tours, those star tours that they do. Yeah. He was outside, and somebody's yelling at him, where do I, you're the Jersey Shore guy, aren't you? And he's like, yeah, I'm the Jersey Shore guy, sure. <laughs> yeah. I think that and everybody expects everybody in L.A. to be famous, so yeah. it's just like, yeah, whatever, you know, another famous person. Yeah. Uh, yeah, no. Um, so, do you have a release date on the book? We're looking at, at uh, August 2022. We're very okay. close. We're getting ready to go to print. So, we're very close. All right. So, a uh, after that, um, do maybe a book tour or anything in the future? Yes, I will have to, because like I said, I'm publishing it. So I'm the one that's going to be promoting, selling, doing all the work for it. So, yeah, I will be I will be doing probably a hundred of these. Well, Maybe I'm sure you can't wait to do that. <laughs> Seriously, I actually enjoy it. It's so it's for me. This is fun. Well, that's no, it's cool. We have a good time. You know, I, I was having a bad day today and then I thought to myself, I get to talk to you. So really, how bad of my day, you know, how bad could it be? Yeah, to put it in perspective. Right. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that that is uh, that's how I like to attack the day. You know, see you pull yourself right out of it. So every day that's your new your new anchor. You can say I'm having a bad day. But guess what? I, I spoke with. You can go down your list. 
Well, I'll tell you, I'm not speaking with a former uh, playmate tomorrow, so that that <laughs> might that might be a little different. But <laughs> That's funny, you know. Set the bar too high today. <laughs> Nothing against Chris, who's coming on our show tomorrow, but <laughs> <laughs> he does not have the looks. <laughs> yeah. Well, the other fun thing that I do, and this is really a very fun show that I co-host, is we do a live podcast every Sunday night called Roger the Wild Child. And we interview, you know, musicians and actors and, and all of that. And it's live and it's thing goes. We took the whole month of January off to revamp the marketing of the show because we got named on the 75 best podcast list. And so we decided to revamp the show and kind of up our game. So maybe we can move up. I think we're 57 on the list. I said, why don't we shoot for like being in the top 10, you know? So we're revamping the show and we do, it's a fun show. I, my two co-hosts are just a blast to work with uh, Roger and Darren Schaff. And they both have very interesting backgrounds. And so between the three of us, we're just like a, a, a nutcase show and it's just fun. So that's something that I do every Sunday night and we'll start back in February. So I had to put a little plug out there for that. And, um, and then, yeah, I do some modeling jobs, you know, here and there. Um, COVID kind of slowed everything down and, um, you know, so we just, you know, for me, it's just being grateful that I'm healthy and I'm still working and, I have this beautiful blog that I do every week and I really love writing. I get up in the morning and I start my day with a writing session and, and, um, you know, I see on, uh, on your social media there, it's a, a lot of positivity, a lot of inspirational quotes and yeah, things like that. I'm really, I'm really, you know, I got certified during COVID when in the lockdown, I, I want to make, use of my time. So I got certified as a life coach. I went through a whole mastery program and, and, you know, I'm really into improving, improving, learning and growing. And, and so I hope that people come on my journey and I've had a lot of people email me and say, will you coach me? Will you do that? And so it kind of got me thinking, I spoke on a panel actually a few months back. I was, I got asked to be the fill in speaker. Somebody dropped out and they sent me a message and they said, we see your your content and would you like to be a fill-in speaker for this for this thing and and I was I was the last speaker and each speaker gave something away whether it was their book or you know a seminar you know something and so I said I will give away I will coach five people and I got so many emails after I spoke so it really kind of escalated my whole purpose and what I was doing, I thought, you know what, maybe I will put a program together. And instead of taking five people through it, I'll take 20 people through it for a 90 day program. And, and if they love it, and they get so much out of it, then I might sell it in the future as, you know, inviting more people to do it. So that's something that I'm working on as well. Yeah, that's awesome. So out of all of these, you know, from modeling, acting, writing, um, just publishing, uh, life coach, what has been uh, your favorite? 
Oh gosh, that's that's tough for me because it just really varies between each thing. You know, I could tell you that working on the movie was my favorite. I could tell you that there's mornings I get up and I just I know exactly what I'm going to write about and that could be my favorite. I just it just depends. And I don't really have a favorite favorite. I really just my favorite thing is when my creative juices are flowing and I feel like I'm being of service and I feel like I'm in the place of giving rather than trying to get something, it just flows so much nicer in my life. And so that's probably the best feeling. Very cool. Yeah, you're yeah. definitely busy. We, we can't yeah. argue that. You, you, you got more credits than P. Diddy. <laughs> I wish. <laughs> I wish. That's amazing. No, thank you. Really appreciate it. Um, thank please you. keep us uh, informed on the book. We'd love to have you back and talk about it once it's all out, and uh, you know, you can kind of give more details on uh, all that. If you follow me on social media and you and you and you come to my website and you sign up for my newsletter, you know, I keep people that are that really want to follow what I'm doing. I keep them informed with everything that's happening. So I would suggest anybody that's interested to just follow me on social media, especially Instagram is where I do most of my interacting with everyone. And and then, you know, go to my website, sign up for my newsletter and you won't miss out on anything. I, I have a lot of really fun, interesting things happening. So, yeah. What What is your uh, handle there on the social media? It's my name, Deborah, D-E-B-O-R-A-H, Driggs, D-R-I-G-G-S. Deborah Driggs at, okay. on every social media site. And um and then my website is DebraDriggs.com. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for your time. And uh, we wish you the best of luck. You are very busy. So thank you, uh, thank you guys. Well, stay warm. And I won't brag that, you know, I'm in nice, beautiful weather in California. I won't brag about that. It's all right. I want to hear that because we're moving that way soon. So yeah, I, yeah, we'll, that's, that's inspiration. <laughs> we'll, we'll be out there in about two months. So we're, we're right. moving out to LA. So yeah, we'll, we'll be around. Right. We'll be working on our tans there. So. <laughs> well, you guys enjoy and thank you again for thinking of me and having me on your show. Hey, no problem. Thank you very much for your time. We appreciate it. Thank you. Take care. Right. Deborah. Goodbye. Bye, Bye everyone.